Medical cannabis. Who knew that a plant could be the cause of so much controversy, discovery, and insight? Whether you're well-versed in the science of the endocannabinoid system, CBD, THC, and terpenes, or whether you're a skeptic, curious to learn about the real-world experiences of medical professionals and patients, we all have unanswered questions about what cannabis does, how it works, and whether it is a safe and effective medical treatment for a myriad of different health conditions. That's why each week on the Cannabis Friendly Guide to Wellness podcast, we'll talk with Dr. Joe Cohen, founder of Holos Health, a medical cannabis expert who in the past 10 years has treated over 25,000 patients with medical cannabis. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Amy Silverman, a registered nurse and cannabis educator. In today's episode, we'll talk with Dr. Cohen about cannabis delivery methods, meaning the different ways that you can intake or use cannabis medicinally to treat different conditions. So if you've ever wondered which method is best for your particular health condition, this is an episode that is for you. I'm looking forward to talking with you today about uh, delivery methods which is uh, a topic that we get a lot of questions about. And uh, part of today's episode is um, based directly on a question that one of our patients submitted. And uh, we are going to send her a free bottle of uh, our Kanakoru um, organic hemp tincture um, that's, that's grown and produced here in Boulder County. And um, yeah, so we, we, we welcome uh, patient and listener questions, and if your uh, question is answered on our podcast, then we will send you um, a free bottle of, of tincture. So uh, let's just get into it. Um, w- one of the main differences between cannabis and um, other medications is that cannabis has multiple different delivery methods. Um, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, um, you know, as a physician and kind of what that means um, in terms of how you recommend it and how it me- what it means for, for patients in terms of how they use it. So this is a, uh, a subject which, uh, again, as you said, a lot of patients ha- have uh, addressed this with me in our uh, patient visits when they come for an appointment to get their medical marijuana card, uh, we're always addressing this issue of what would be the best delivery method for them, given their particular uh, medical issues and what their desire is. So we're going to go into some detail about several different delivery methods uh, and hopefully give our listeners uh, an idea about what they may want to use given their particular situation. So I'd like to start with the old-fashioned method, which is uh, smoking a joint or smoking out of a water pipe or out of a pipe. In other words, smoking flour. So let's talk about smoking flour first. First thing I want to mention is that uh, we do recommend, uh, which we will be talking about inhalation, uh, we're we're going to be talking about uh, recommendation to actually vaporize flour Uh, in in a minute, but let's talk about smoking first. When you inhale, whether it be smoking or vaporizing, 
when you inhale, you get an immediate response. Uh, it, when you inhale cannabis, it peaks within about 10 minutes or so. That's, it, it, you get a, a rapid onset, you feel it almost right away, and then in about nine, 10 minutes is when you have the maximal effect, because that's when it peaks, and then it peaks up, and then it slowly goes down, and it lasts about two hours. So when you're inhaling, you're doing that because you want an immediate response, fast acting, and you're doing it because you want a shorter response that you can control better. In other words, you're gonna be doing something a little bit later on, you don't wanna feel high while you're doing, while you're working or you're driving or you're doing something where uh, you could be compromised. So you wanna use inhalation as a fast acting and a short acting method. Uh, one of the other places that we talked about in a previous uh, podcast was with sleep. If you wanna fall asleep, you would inhale to help you fall asleep. Whereas you may do another method to try to stay asleep because inhalation is going to be gone in about two hours. So many, many situations that patients address with me when they come in for a visit or, or right now when we do our telemedicine visit uh, is about uh, the different methods and when you would use them. And inhalation is when you want a quick response and you don't want it to last too long. If you want that quick response and you want to have more in a couple of hours, take some more inhales and you can kind of gauge things during the day. And it's very hard to have uh, too much uh, cannabis. You can get high, obviously, because uh, people have been doing this for a very long time, just inhaling, but you're not going to have the same effect that you would have, say, doing edibles where it can be uh, incapacitating for some people. So that's inhalation. Now, when you're smoking, when you're burning something, you're getting carcinogens. You're getting smoke, sinus problems, congestion, cough, odor, a lot of negatives come with smoking. So we, uh, although we say smoking is fine, uh, we would recommend people consider vaporizing flour instead of smoking, which is a second way to inhale using a flour vaporizer. And there are many of them. There are plug-in models, there are portable models. We tend to recommend PAX, PAX. Uh, you can go to PAX.com. Uh, that's one very popular brand. It's probably the most popular brand out there because they're very well built. Um, and uh, patients, and they're very discreet, and patients seem to like them. But whatever vaporizer you're using, you're eliminating the smoke, you're eliminating the cough, you're eliminating the carcinogens, you're eliminating all the negative aspects that you would get from inhaling when you have to burn something. So it's much, much more pleasant. Plus, a lot of these uh, portable or plug-in vaporizers, uh, they have temperature control. So you can easily gauge the temperature so that it's comfortable for you to breathe in and breathe out without having any irritation. And that's particularly important right now because we have a virus going around currently and we don't want to aggravate anything in our uh, lungs uh, at this current time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a question. Um... So there's a difference between um, smoking and vaporizing, but 
is there also a difference between vaporizing from a flower vaporizer, which is the actual dry herb that someone would use, and then vaporizing um, an oil, like in a concentrate form? Absolutely a difference. And let's talk about those differences. You, you don't have, uh, in most of the uh, uh, little vape pens that you would get, you don't have good temperature control. Uh, and if you get too much in, it's very, very harsh on the lungs and you could be coughing and coughing and coughing. It could be, it could be a miserable feeling for some people. So vaporizing oil, uh, you may get more harshness to the lungs and certainly you would get more from vaporizing oil than you would get from vaporizing flour, which is a lot more gentle because of the temperature control. When you're using oils also, you, you gotta be careful. Sometimes they put additives in that oil. Uh, to thin it out or do uh, uh, other things like propylene glycol has been used, which has negative impacts uh, on, on our brain and our body. Uh, so uh, you get, uh, you can get a live resin and other forms which are more pure that have the whole plant. They're not taking THC out or CBD out and combining them or just using certain parts of the plant. You're much better off getting the whole plant and you always get the whole plant when you're vaporizing flour. You're not always, depending on what you're getting, you can't always uh, rely on getting full plant when you're doing concentrates. The other part of concentrates is that you're getting uh, a lot higher concentration, which means you're gonna build up your tolerance uh, a lot quicker with concentrates than you would with flour. In other words, if you were inhaling flour and you notice it's not working as well, you need to take a tolerance break, maybe uh, take a few days off, two, three days off, and your tolerance gets back to normal. Whereas if you do concentrates, you need a longer tolerance break to get things back to normal. It's not going to work any better to treat your condition. You're just getting a higher concentration, which means you get more and more and more. And then you can go to the extreme which is known as dabbing, which is you get this rig, you usually uh, uh, have like a titanium nail, you're, you're burning at a very high temperature, you're getting the strongest, most potent form of, of uh, THC that you can find. And when you're, say, using uh, cannabis and flour, you might get 15% THC, but when you go to the extreme of dabbing, you might get closer to 90% THC, and, and that may not be the best thing for you because you're gonna build up a very high tolerance very quickly, and then you're gonna become dependent, psychologically dependent, physically dependent. And this is when people actually can uh, have a higher likelihood of addiction to cannabis by getting into these very high concentrations uh, that you would get from dabbing. And then you need a much longer time, I usually recommend a few weeks off, uh, usually recommend a month off for people who are daily dabbers and many people will dab multiple times a day and they've gotten themselves into a jam because the medicine doesn't work better as a medicine you just need a lot more to have the same effect so you take a drug holiday and you can do that just by using CBD which actually helps boost our own cannabinoids and we'll be talking about that in detail in another episode when we get into CBD and we get into the endocannabinoid system and how all that works, I will reserve that for that talk. 
However, just be aware that what happens, we have receptors to uh, cannabinoids because we make our own cannabinoids. And when you use very high concentrations, say of THC as an example, what's happening is that it's saturating your receptors, you're getting way too much, and the main purpose of having an endocannabinoid system in our body is to try to keep everything in balance. It's all about balance and homeostasis. So when you're dabbing and you're getting such a high amount, all of a sudden, your body responds by decreasing your receptor response. In other words, your, your receptors, cannabinoids, actually go into hiding. And in going into hiding, they don't want to respond to all that you're getting because you're getting too much and your body can't keep everything in balance. So it's the body's way of protecting you from too much of what could be a good thing that can turn into a bad thing. So just be aware that dabbing is not something we recommend unless you just want to get stoned out of your mind every couple of weeks just for the heck of it. Fine. Go ahead and get your dabbing rig out but it should be used uh, sparingly. Right, not, not a medical use. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so vaporizing flour in a flour vaporizer is the, the top choice for people who want to use inhalation um, as a, a fast acting and a short duration method. Exactly. Okay. Then we can get into other methods. Let's talk about tinctures as an example. Tinctures are very popular. We recommend tinctures very commonly for our elderly patients because it's very easy to dose tinctures. You can get them in different ratios of CBD to THC. Uh, and tinctures are drops that you put under the tongue. It can come in a dropper bottle. It can come in a pump bottle. But this is all uh, absorbed underneath your tub. Uh, your tongue rather, uh, because uh, sublingual absorption, uh, it may take a little bit longer, but it can be very highly absorbed under the tongue. And we're gonna get into some of the differences, which was actually the question that our patient had asked about the difference between, uh, say, taking a capsule or doing an edible form that has to go through your GI tract versus uh, sublingual. And sublingual is a little bit uh, more highly absorbed uh, than, uh, say, doing something orally, which we'll talk about next, uh, such as, I mean orally, I mean by swallowing into your GI tract, an edible or capsule form. Uh, but tinctures uh, are take about 20 minutes to work. They last generally about three or four hours, so they're kind of an intermediate as far as their uh, duration of time and how fast they act. So if you need something right now, you inhale. If, you, if it's okay to wait, say, 20 minutes before you feel the effect, then tinctures may be a good option for you. But realize they're going to last a little bit longer. So if you're going to be hitting the road, you're going to be driving, uh, be aware of that. Uh, they may last uh, about up to about four hours instead of two hours that you would get from inhalation. So, um, yeah, tinctures are great when you're dosing. You just add drops, subtract drops when you're trying to figure out what's the right amount for you, especially when you're getting something with THC. CBD is not as critical because you don't have to worry about the psychoactivity with tinctures that are predominantly CBD, such as hemp-based uh, tinctures like our Kanakoru uh, tincture, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. 
Um, so compared to uh, something that you're going to ingest, um, the, a little bit more of the tincture will be absorbed. So maybe you don't need as high a dose or is that not true? No, that is true. And then there's variable absorptions depending on the product that you're getting. In other words, there's a company, Quicksilver Scientific, who actually has been making our pump bottles. We're going to be selling it under their label now uh, instead of ours um, because they can't guarantee that it's organic. And we want a guarantee about organic in our product line. But uh, yeah, so theirs is, is great for anxiety and other issues because it's very rapid acting tincture. It works within five minutes. And that's mm. because they have what they call a nano emulsified type of delivery system where it's very highly, there are tiny particles that are very highly absorbed underneath the tongue through their nanotechnology uh, surrounded by lipids because you need lipids for absorption for cannabinoids. So um, those work in five minutes. They'll still last the four hours, but they work a lot faster. So depending on what you're treating, uh, that's another option is looking at different types of sublinguals that may have a different type of onset. Hmm. Yeah, there's different there, there's differences among uh, the, the formulations. Exactly. So another layer of, of uh, things to think something else to be aware of when you're going out and shopping for products, which a lot of what we do is recommend specific products for people because there is so much out there. Um, but so if we were going to compare like a tincture to um, an ingestible, like a capsule or a gummy or whatever, um, I, this seems to be the area where there is a significant difference. And I talk to a lot of people who, um, when they're using THC, um, they just don't tolerate ingested THC. Um, and one of the big questions that I get is, is why is that? Like, why, why did I have such a bad reaction to this edible that has THC in it versus, you know, I can take um, a tincture of THC and, and be okay. And then we have other patients who can take all the edibles they want and feel absolutely nothing. They feel uh, nothing. Right. 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 So let's talk about that. So uh, when you're doing an edible form, whether it be a capsule, a pill, a gummy, a brownie, whatever it may be, it has to go through your GI tract. It has to be absorbed by your small intestine, which is where your food gets absorbed in your body. It's the largest organ in your body. It's about 20 feet long. And that's where your food gets absorbed. Um, some people will have malabsorption. Uh, they don't absorb things uh, the same as other people. They may have leaky gut or other issues uh, to consider where they're just not getting the absorption they need. Uh, uh, the other uh, problem is that this has to be passed from your GI tract when you do an edible form or a capsule or whatever. It has to be passed through your liver. It goes through what's called the cytochrome P450 system in your liver and enzymes break it down. And what happens is some people may not have the, the right enzymes to break it down and, they, uh, and just edibles uh, don't work for them. You have to convert in your liver from delta-9 THC, which is what we get from all these other methods, such as under the tongue or inhalation, you're getting delta-9 THC. It's not being passed through the liver. But when it passes through the liver, it turns into a different compound known as 11-hydroxy THC. 
which is anywhere from four to 10 times stronger and can last uh, several hours longer. So edibles typically will take about an hour to work uh, and last typically six to eight hours. There's a lot of variability in that, but just that's just an average typical uh, patient response. So you get a delayed reaction, but you get a much longer reaction. And it feels different for a lot of people when they do edibles. They may have more relief of their pain or it may work in different ways, which may be positive or negative. So you have to be very careful when you're doing an edible form. We always say uh, start low and go slow. That's the industry uh, mantra out there when it comes to edibles. You always go with a very low dose. And people who are new to cannabis, we recommend starting about uh, two and a half milligrams of THC, maybe five milligrams, but certainly no more than that. And you want to mm -hmm. give it a few tries. You don't want to just bump it up if it doesn't work the first time. Because sometimes you actually have to, um, sometimes you actually have to um, prime your body uh, for this compound. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, about it as like waking up the receptors you're waking up your receptors that's exactly yeah. right um, so that's how uh, that works with edibles you have to absorb it it's it can be a lot stronger uh, but there are factors that lead to using a lot more edibles and that is again uh, improper absorption uh, uh, what we call uh, your uh, your your small intestine is not absorbing things the way it should. Uh, another is not being converted from delta nine to eleven hydroxy in the liver. And the third uh, reason that some people need a higher dose of edibles, or edibles may not work as well, is if they have a very high tolerance. We see that with people who dab. People who dab, and then when they use edibles, very commonly I'll ask our patients when we see them oh, you're dabbing, do you ever use edibles? And they'll say yes. And I say, well, how much edible do you need to feel the effect? And very commonly, it's 100 milligrams. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, most of us, uh, five to 10 milligrams is a normal dose, not 100 milligrams. So, right. uh, so the third reason why edibles may not be effective is, is you have too high of a tolerance from doing things like concentrates and dabbing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about um, CBD um, ingested like capsules or um, I guess, you know, most people who are using CBD medicinally, I guess they're taking a capsule or a gummy. Um, but we, we know that it's not like a really well absorbed, right? Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about like how CBD is absorbed in, in the GI tract and um, like why some people might want to use CBD in an ingestible form versus why some people might not? So great question. CBD enters a whole new realm of, uh, of how you would use it. Uh, CBD obviously is a non-psychoactive part of the plant. And when you have CBD uh, combined with THC, you have less psychoactivity from the THC. It counteracts that. We're going to get into a lot of detail on that in a subsequent podcast uh, down the road. Uh, but having said that, CBD needs a couple of things to help it get absorbed when you're uh, ingesting it through your GI tract. Uh, number one, you need some THC. 
So we always recommend if you're going to be using a CBD compound and you're taking a capsule, as an example, because we have our own line of capsules, so that's what I'm reference, referencing here. Uh, when you're using a, a capsule uh, and it has to pass through your GI tract, yes, you'll need a little bit more than you would if you were, say, using uh, a tincture, uh, but you also need other uh, compounds to help it uh, bind to our receptors. We have receptors uh, throughout our body. We have a lot of receptors in our immune system. They're called CB2 receptors. And you need a couple things to help CBD bind because CBD is a very poor binder to our receptors. And one of the things you need is a little bit of THC. This is why we do not like when patients go out on the internet and purchase their, uh, their hemp-based CBD, you have no idea what you're getting. And very commonly, it's an isolate of CBD, it's not the full plant. So it's missing a lot of really important parts to help that CBD work. There's other issues with uh, getting things that are contaminated from China or, or just a, a lot of people just profiteering off of CBD that they put on the internet and don't even have any CBD in it. They've already studied and they found that three quarters of them uh, would not be recommended. Uh, mm -hmm. So you got to be careful what you get. So when you're using CBD though, you want a full spectrum because a little bit of THC and to be hemp, it has to have 0.3% THC or less. So when you're getting that low level, not only does it make it legal to take it to work or to drive it, or take it on a plane or whatever, uh, it's, you're, you're getting uh, the, that full spectrum that has a little bit of THC that also uh, has the ability to help CBD bind to receptors. But even more important or just as important than that little bit of THC are what we call terpenes. And terpenes are found in all cannabis plants. Again, we'll be going into detail in another episode about terpenes. But right now, just to mention, there's one particular terpene that actually binds to our CB2 receptors in our immune system, which is where it does most of its work. Uh, and that is known as beta caryophylline. And we uh, always recommend checking the profile of whatever you're getting uh, when you're getting anything CBD related and make sure it's full spectrum and that beta caryophylline is one of the terpenes. Because beta caryophylline is the only terpene found in cannabis, it's also found in other plants like black pepper, clove, cinnamon, etc. cetera. Uh, but beta caryophylline is a terpene that actually may be carrying the CBD with it to those receptors to help it bind along with that little bit of THC. So when you're getting full spectrum, you're getting beta caryophylline, you're getting THC, you're getting something that's clean, uh, organic is always best, uh, that where they're not spraying uh, nasty chemicals on what you're ingesting. That's the best way to go when you're using a capsule or ingesting anything. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's, it sounds, it's complicated. You know, it's not so straightforward um, to go out and I guess just start taking any CBD product. Um, it's really important that people um, are educated before they before they start. They kind of embark on on using CBD. Um, so, um, anything else about um, ingestibles before we move on? No, I just just be careful if you're using an ingestible with THC. Um, be very very careful to start low, go slow. And the other thing is that if you do feel too stoned uh, from using 
something that's ingested, you can counteract some of that feeling by adding CBD to it. Uh, and I would recommend having a tincture on hand or something that's relatively fast acting, like the sublingual pump that we talked about earlier, that's very fast acting, that will counteract that feeling and bring you back to where you want to be. Hmm. Like a rescue. Yes. Yeah. And then probably take a lot less the next time. <laughs> right. right. Work your way up. Work your way up. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult because you go to a dispensary, especially for new um, cannabis um, consumers, um, because the standard dose is 10 milligrams. And that can be in one little gummy bear right. um, or one tiny little piece of chocolate. And so, you know, breaking that into a half or a quarter um, is not always what you would initially think to do before trying it for the first time. Right. Uh, and when you have a medical card, you're getting much stronger than you're getting from a recreational shop. So you got to be very careful with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good advice. So we've talked about um, inhalation. We've talked about tinctures, sublingual. We've talked about ingestibles. So I guess for now we're on to the topical transdermal category. Yeah, so topicals can be very beneficial for a local effect. In other words, let's say you're having, uh, you have an issue with your neck or your low back where uh, you have a compression of your disc and, and your muscles tighten up. That spasm, it's not the spasm where you just feel it spasming, it's just everything is tight. Uh, and you can massage uh, topical cannabis, and there's a whole variety out there that you can find massage into your neck into your low back and put some heat over it like a neck warmer heating pad whatever it opens up your pores it gets into those muscles and it relaxes your muscles along with the heat so topicals with heat are really really beneficial without the psychoactivity you're not going to get stone unless you're having a whole body massage with massage oil or something you're not going to have that psychoactivity from it. It's a local response to reduce the inflammation, reduce the spasm, reduce your pain. Uh, so topicals can be very effective in those areas, especially with heat. And if you're working, you have arthritis and you have joints or you had an injury to an area, uh, you can use topicals on those areas without the heat because that's for muscles. It's not for the joints. The, um, um, so you can use that on your joints as well. And then there's also topicals in, in stronger uh, forms that can be used, uh, that people have actually used on basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma, very uh, easy to treat skin conditions where they've actually used topicals, where it's actually reduced and eliminated uh, some of those skin cancers or pre-cancerous lesions on the skin. If you're gonna do that, you always have to see your dermatologist and, and make sure that uh, it is basal cell, squamous cell, and that it is going away. We don't mm -hmm. want you just doing this and assuming anything. Right, right, that makes sense. So, so those are the basic reasons why we would use uh, topical cannabis. People love topicals. I use topicals all the time on my shoulder. Uh, when I had knee injuries, I was always using it. If I have back pain, there go the topicals with the heat. Uh, this stuff can work really well without psychoactivity. Yeah, we see a lot of patients, especially elderly patients with different forms of arthritis and, and musculoskeletal complaints that find a lot of benefit with topicals, um, especially because they have no, they, they don't have psychoactivity because it's not, it's not absorbed systemically. It doesn't get into your bloodstream. 
um, unless unless we're talking about a transdermal, right? So that's, yeah. Different. Trans- but all, when, I, when I go to a dispensary, sometimes there's no distinction between this. And it's, there's, a, there's a difference. There's a big difference Absolutely. between something that's transdermal versus something that's topical. Yeah? So when you're talking about transdermal creams, patches, things like that, um, you're talking about if you're doing a transdermal cream, you want to put it on your wrists, you want to rub your wrists together and get it absorbed by those blood vessels. And that's a systemic approach. It's not a local effect. You're going to get high from that because you're getting it absorbed into your blood vessels, which travels to your brain and other parts of your body. It's not a local effect. And people don't realize that. I have patients coming in all the time say, oh, I've got these patches. I put it on the area. It, uh, it works or it doesn't work. That's a complete waste of money. Uh, patches are expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you're going to be using them, you want to use it appropriately, systemically, either on your wrist area or the front part of your ankle, which is kind of the similar to the wrist, only it's in the leg instead of the arms, uh, where you get absorption. And that's how those creams or those uh, topical transdermals, I should say, not topicals, but transdermals are used. Some people do use them successfully on the painful area. It's not our recommendation. You're just wasting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could use a topical for that instead, yeah? Exactly. Yeah. And then the other method, uh, which uh, is rarely used, but I just want to mention it, uh, is suppositories. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you about that as well. Um, it's... It's something that we talk to some patients about, and the, and there's suppositories and dispensaries as well. So yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, suppositories are not going to have the same effect as say taking something orally, uh, and we usually recommend suppositories for patients who are looking for uh, uh, less psychoactivity when they want to get some systemic uh, results from it, but more uh, for prostate cancer, colorectal cancer, where you're looking for a little bit of a systemic approach, but mostly uh, looking to get a local approach on that area of cancer. So they're very limited use uh, for suppositories. They also make vaginal suppositories uh, for women uh, to help them with, uh, possibly with orgasm, or uh, can come with lubrication to help with that. Uh, those are more gimmicky things that are out there, but they are out there. Okay. All right. So what else? I think, I think that's that, a great I think overview. That, <laughs> yeah, I think that covers the gamut myself. <laughs> At least um, for now. They're always coming out with new new methods, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's got their gimmick. They have the ones you can – there's uh, some companies now that actually have something that looks like an inhaler – you can get it that way. They're not very common. They're not very uh, popular, but they're out there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I mean, this has been very comprehensive, and uh, I I know that our one patient is going to be happy to have the question that she asked answered, and I hope that a lot of other people um, are able to get some good information from the delivery method overview that you uh, just shared. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, stay tuned for more episodes on the way. 
Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your feedback. So if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, leave a comment, or if you want more information, you can find us online at www.holoshealth.org. That's Holos, H-O-L-O-S, health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot org. Thanks. See you next episode.